Good morning. Welcome to the firehouse again. Good morning, morning, morning. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. If I didn't get to meet you, I'm, thanks for joining us this morning. It's been quite a quite a weekend here. Um, I don't know about for you, but for me, it's been a wild and crazy one here. Um, I've been. I think the word that describes this weekend for me the most is overwhelmed. And. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a lot of things I, I think are hitting me all at once. And one of the things I've been overwhelmed by is just, it's still a month or so later, but we are meeting in our very own facility that took a number of months to come together. And it's, uh, it's just been, I'm just overwhelmed when I just think about having a place we meet regularly. We're not having to work with uh you know, the, the hotel staff at the Ramada ballroom there. We're not having to clean up vomit before we meet in the morning because someone partied the night before there. It's just been wonderful having an office. I just kind of sit in here sometimes and I'm just like, is this, you know, someone pinched me. Is this real, you know? Uh, hello, oh yeah. Someone pinched me, someone caused a loud sound. Make sure I'm awake, yeah. But uh, another thing that I've been just... Uh, a little overwhelmed with, maybe not as much, but uh, some of you might have known, I today I turned 40 for the first time, and so uh, it's the second time I've turned 20, but it's a, this is the first time I've turned 40, so, uh, but no, I appreciate everyone that was a part of the birthday celebration we had on Friday there, it was a great time, we kind of did, uh, might have been the uh, inaugural party at the firehouse here, we used the cafe and it, it cleans up well. Uh, but I appreciate all your help in that party. And then another thing that, uh, you know, it's been also overwhelming, some of you might know a little about, but a couple weeks ago I just shared my story, uh, just kind of the testimony that God's given me, really of how He's transformed my life. And I shared a new chapter that God had opened, which was, um, you know, allowing me to find out for sure that I had uh, a daughter that I never met before, 21 years old. And so, um, as God continues to reveal Himself through that story, actually, uh, it was like two days ago, I, I met my daughter for the first time. And, uh, you know, it's just been amazing. She's come out to stay with us this weekend. We got to go up to Estes Park um, yesterday to spend the day together, just me and my daughter that I've never met before. And it's just been, uh, it's just been amazing. only word I have is overwhelmed. You know, my wife has been so gracious to help coordinate... Um, Tisha coming out to visit here. It was going to be a surprise, um, but I intercepted the surprise. I think uh, I lost my phone one day, and I went and found her phone to call my phone, and then I hit her call log, and I saw these calls, and I was like, what? You're talking to Tisha? Wow. You know, and so I, I just was like, well, I, I don't want to be too surprised when I get to meet her. You know, I don't want to be like on stage and like, and here's your daughter, you know. Um, and so, uh, but she... She wasn't planning that, but but anyways, I found out that surprise, and it's been it's been just wonderful. We were talking to the kids about it, you know, and they're our oldest is eight, you know, and um, they're trying to figure it out. But all the the way they view the whole thing is we have a big sister, you know, and uh, so we were talking about it, and Tisha was doing dinner with us, and the rest of my kids were there, and uh, my seven year old daughter was like. You know, I really like having a big sister. I've always wanted to have a big sister, you know. And then Rory, my eight-year-old daughter, sitting right next to her is like, but I'm the big sister, you know. And they're like, they're like no, but a, a big sister, you know. So they've been a real blessing as well. So that's, uh, that's been really neat. But like I say, you know, I've just, uh, just been overwhelmed by God's goodness, God's grace. Uh, and it's all like hitting me this weekend. And so 
I'm going to pray that He gives me grace to have a message that will do you any good this morning here. I, I trust that He will graciously work, but uh, I'm just going to ask for His help, and then we'll jump into this message here. So you guys, well, let's just bow our heads together here. Lord Jesus, um, I do just thank You. Just thank You for Your goodness. Thank You that You're gracious, Lord, that You treat us better than we deserve, Lord. Uh, just as an overflow of your love. God, you're merciful and, and you took the punishment we deserve and you're gracious and you treat us even beyond what we deserve. And I just want to thank you for that this morning. God, I ask for your grace and your help just to um, look at a few verses here. God, these are verses that I know you've used to change my life. God, I, I pray that uh, you would speak to each one of us this morning freshly. Lord, some, some of these things we might have heard before. Some of them we might have never heard. Um, God, you know where each one of us is at, but I pray that you would freshly touch our hearts with your word and through your spirit for your glory. And just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, if you have a handout there, we're going to be, we've got a few um, places you can take notes there. They're not terribly advanced handout here this morning, um, but depending on the notes you write down, they could become really advanced uh, as you go. But. Um, uh, also, how many of you didn't get a handout? If you didn't get one, I've got a couple guys who are going to pass them out. Raise your hand if you didn't get a handout because we'll get some guys that will be there quickly. The back of the room back there. Oh. Hello. All right. Um, so, we've been, we started a series here um, that's related to the firehouse uh, vision and really our slogan. You know, and we've had some people that were like, well, yeah, I like the slogan, but what does it mean, you know? Um, and so we started a three-part series just walking through the slogan of love, rescue, and transform. And so the previous two weeks, if you've you know, been with us, if you haven't, we'll get you up to date here. But we just talked about love um, really is what we mean by that is, uh, you know, our church is all about love. And it's really about God's love for us and our response to God's love. And that should affect everything that we do, um, both as a church and, and also personally. Last week we talked about, you know, there's, there's our relationship in loving God, but then there's also the relationship of loving people. And there's two types of people we love in this life. And one, those that don't know Christ and those that do. And, in, and really there's some special ways to love both groups of people. Last week we talked about God's heart to rescue each one of us and how we can help carry on that mission as well. Carry on Jesus' mission was a rescue mission, and He passed that on to the church. And we, we try to carry that on to this day. You know? And then the last one really relates to more um, to believers and God's heart to see a believer transformed into a disciple of Christ and really into the image of His Son, you know, in, in the image of Christ Himself. So we're going to look at some of those specifics. I forget where to point this thing. Do I point back there? I'll do the on cue. You can turn it here. All right. Transform is what we're going to hit on. I'm not sure if this working. Is my laser working? Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, how about I shine the laser in your eyes and you can hit the button every time I do that? Is it stuck? Oh, there we go. Okay. Good. So, you know, in general, this is our purpose as a church. To bring great glory to God by obeying the great commandments. The great commandments is loving God, you know, with all our heart. Loving God with everything. And the great commission which really the essence of that is loving people. And um, loving God, loving people. We've talked about loving God. We've talked about rescuing those who don't know Christ and then transforming those who do. And really, um, 
you know, this part of the Great Commission, there's go into all the world with the good news. Reach everyone everywhere with the good news. Mark 16, 15. But today we're going to talk about more of this other side here that Jesus said, go, um, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Jesus, Jesus, when He commissioned His disciples, when He commissioned the first church, He could have said a lot of things. He could have said, go, go make Christians. All I care about is that people become Christians, they have faith of some sort, so that when they die, they'll go to heaven. He could have said, go, go make trouble. Now you're Christians, get out there and stir up the world. He could have said a lot of things, but He said, go and make disciples. Followers that are devoted to me, who are willing to throw away their life for me and for the gospel. Like Mark 8.34 talks about, like we covered last week. But um, really, when it comes to this transform, I think uh, what we really mean by that is to take... God's desire is to take someone who has come to faith in Christ. They've been rescued from their sins. They've been rescued from their selfishness. They've been given a new life. But He wants to take a believer and transform them into a disciple. And really, you know, the first part is evangelism, trying to help lead someone to faith in Christ. But discipleship is the process of becoming a, going from a new believer to becoming like Christ. You know, the journey of, of from new believer to Christ's likeness is really would be called discipleship. And we're going to talk a little about that this morning here. Here's a few uh, definition of transform. I always love uh, looking on those dictionary pages. You know, transform, you get the, the emphasis, which it's either trans or form there. I'm not sure. Transform, or I can never figure them out. I love the explanation when you try to spell it. You know, make sure you say it just like this. Transform, you know, something like that. I don't know. It's uh, exactly how that works. But some of you linguistics folks might do better than me. Um, here's a couple definitions of transform. One is uh, to change in composition or structure. Another is to change the outward form or appearance of. Another is to change in character or condition. Uh, for example, convert. And so those are some things that really... Our slogan relates to those three things that God really wants to do with each one of us. To love us, to rescue us, and to transform us. And we're going to look at how He wants to transform us, how He wants to change us here. Um, we're going to look at four commitments this morning that will, I believe, will give you a money-back guarantee that if you make these four commitments, your life will be changed. Um, and you don't have to pay any money anyways. That's why I can give you the guarantee. So, uh, but we're going to look at these four commitments here that have changed my life, and I believe it would change each one of our lives. And the first one here is just a commitment. It really all starts with a commitment to God's Son. Really making a commitment to Jesus Christ. And as far as transform goes, you know, I think uh, here's a couple verses we'll look at. But um, this is a verse I heard a number of times when I was trying to figure out my life when it was a mess and God had kind of humbled me and was bringing me to my knees. I would listen to the radio. I, I would do some church shopping and different things. But one of the messages that I heard was, hey, look, if you come to faith in Christ and Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, they would follow it. You know, they would say this verse somewhere in their message. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. They're saying, you know, if you give your life to Christ, if you receive Him as your Lord and Savior, you can become a new person. God makes you a new person. And I wanted that. That resonated with me. I had done enough uh, selfish things and sinful things in my life that I was like, I would love to get a fresh start. And I tried to break free from some of my habits related to alcohol, related to lust, related to other things. 
And I just could not do it. But I, I kept hearing this. You know, it really begins when you give your life to Christ. When you invite Him in, you become a new creation and the old is gone. There's another verse that I heard often was, you know, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And I wanted that, you know, but I knew confessing meant, um, you know, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't like a Catholic confessing, you go and you confess, and, um, but it was like an expressing to God. I needed to tell God, and I knew at some point I needed to go public before others that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And finally, after about 24 years, I, I just uh, got, it was kind of a, I went to a church service up in Fort Collins and I heard a message again about just knowing for sure you were going to heaven, knowing you could have a new life. And it was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I was a pretty stubborn camel, you know, and it took almost 25 years. But I, I just went home and I broke down and just cried out to God, you know, I need a Savior. I've been leaning on my own self-righteousness. And I ask you to come into my, my heart as my Lord and Savior. And, and I look back on that choice and that commitment. Um, and it was the, the, I think it's the greatest choice I ever made in my life. The most monumental thing I ever did. And, um, but, you know, I think it reminds me a little bit as far as the commitment goes. I think of that verse as like a, it's kind of like a marriage vows or wedding vows. You know, we have a wedding going on today. Any of you going to that wedding? A few of you might be, you're doing the wedding there. They're probably off practicing or something like that. No, um, But, you know, um, it's kind of like you can do a lot of things. You can live together. You can cohabitate. You can do whatever they call it. But until you come before God and witnesses, um, you're not married. Until you say, I do, it all begins with, if, if you're married, life changes when you say, I do. Can I get an amen? Life should change when, that, when you say, I do, to your significant other. But the reality, the same is true for Christ. You can know a lot about Christ. You can bend to church a lot. You can do all sorts of things. But until you say, I do, to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, things are probably going to stay the same. But once you do, talk about transformation. Once you do, you are instantly, um, you know, the, the doctrinal word for it is called regeneration. You're instantly, when you come to believe in Christ, you are transformed into a new creation. And you get the very same holiness imparted to you of, of your Father. You get the same purity, the same wiring, the same everything. Is, becomes, you become a part of that as a new creation. And so it's extremely significant as far as being transformed goes. But that's the first commitment is to just place your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And your life will change forever. But that's just one step, one way that God wants to bring about change in our lives. Another one is this. You know, I would say it relates to a commitment, committing to His Spirit, the Holy Spirit that, that you get. There's a couple verses here. Um, this is one that uh, you, you might know, but it just says... Um, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is His Spirit. You know, there's another one that says once you receive Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, but it says once you believe in Christ, you receive His Holy Spirit. And, you know, things change. You get His Spirit. It's not just a, a decision that you make. It's not just a, well, now I made this choice to put Christ first, and so I just got to make a bunch of good choices. It's something, God does something even greater than that. He gives you His very Spirit to live in you, to help you on this new journey of following Christ. And it says this, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, 
the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. But when you come to receive Christ, when you come to believe the good news about Him, He gives you His Spirit to help transform you. And His Spirit begins working in you. Whether you know it or not, whether you're aware of it or not, it begins to work in you to help you to follow Christ, to help you become more like Christ. Um, We'll look at another verse here. But, you know, I remember just how it played out in my own life. I, I knew I wanted to become a new person. I wanted a fresh start. And I prayed to receive Christ. And then I just kind of started going about life. I didn't know a lot of things. I wasn't like, you know, reading the Bible 24 hours a day. I wasn't doing all sorts of things. But I just had this awareness inside me that something seems different. And I was trying to go into some of the same things from my old life. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't working the same. I remember... Uh, I remember one time, uh, about the time I became a Christian, I was trying to figure out Friday nights. You know, I had two options. And one was I could go out with my roommates. I could go party in Fort Collins, hit the bars, do that same old thing. Or I could go with this crazy bunch of people that I met that had a Bible study Friday night. And something in me was like, well, a Bible study party, you know, that's a no-brainer. But as I became a Christian, I realized, you know, I know where that road goes. It's the same old thing. It's the same old hangovers, the same old vomit, the same old whatever. And I'm going to try something different. And Friday nights I started going with this crazy bunch of people that sang a few songs together. They read the Bible together. And something about being with them, I was just drawn to be there instead of that thing. But it was, I think God was doing something inside me. I remember being in a bar once up there in Fort Collins. There was a Washington's. I don't even know if they still have it up there. Is Washington's still up there? A good old wash bar, I think is what it's called. But I remember going in there with my friends once, and I just had this sense of, I don't belong here. Something was grieving me. Just, I had this distaste for something that I was so familiar with. The smoke was the same in the air. The beer was the same. The people were the same. Um, but I just had a sense, you know, someone was telling me from the inside, you don't belong here anymore. And I knew that I didn't. And His Spirit was working on me. I remember a, another story I've, I've told before. I was in, I really loved basketball a lot along the way. I was in a basketball league in Fort Collins. And um, I was playing in a league one time. And I had just become a Christian. And my team was just a bunch of guys I met there. And we were playing one night. And it was a, it was a great game. I don't know if it was a tournament. We were in the, the league tournament or something. But I had a great game that night. I had this guy guarding me that was just, um, he was a lot bigger than me. And he was a really good basketball basketball player, but I was having one of those nights that you're just like, you know, it helps you believe in God just when you have one of those basketball nights like that, but, um, but one of my things I used to do when I played basketball was I used to talk a lot of trash, I used to try to get under people's skin, I would say, you know, I'd cuss at them a little bit, I'd say, you know, whatever it was, if I did something cool against them, I'd tell them about it, um, you know, and so, uh, you know, I remember if I blocked somebody's shot, I'd say, get that stuff out of here and I wouldn't say stuff you know and it would just be a... but I remember I was talking trash to this guy I got under his skin I was having a great game anything I threw in it was just going in and and this guy was about ready to I mean by the time the game was over we won he was about ready to kill me you know and he was a big guy and I used to do that as well I'd talk trash get under someone's skin and when they wanted to fight, I'd be figure out a way to get out of the situation, you know. But, uh, but anyways, we won the game. I had a great game, you know. It was like on cloud nine. But inside me, I had this sense of, uh, you, you're a Christian now. You, you really shouldn't be playing like that. And, and I even, it went further than that. I'm in the locker room. I'm getting, you know, changed and stuff. And I just had this sense of, you need to go find that guy and, and tell him that was wrong with how you were treating him and seek his forgiveness. 
And I'm just like, you know, I, I don't know much about reconciliation or restoration or any of that. I'm just going, really? You want me to go talk to that guy? That sounds so embarrassing. And so I got out of the locker room. I went looking around. This club had a, a bar as a part of their athletic club. You work out and you drink, you know, to refresh yourself afterwards. And uh, so their team was nursing their wounds. And, and I, I just went up and I'm like, there he is. And he and his team and they're talking. And, and I was just like, I went up to him and I was like, hey, dude. I am sorry for how I treated you. That was wrong how I treated you. I just became a Christian. And I just want to you know, ask you to forgive me. I don't remember the exact words, but it was something like that. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And his friends are snickering. And he's like, yeah, whatever, you know. And, but I headed out of there. But I just realized, you know, I've become a new person. And his spirit is in me. His spirit wants me to live a new life. And he even wants to help me live that new life. And God began changing me. And uh, there were a number of just different stories like that. But I think of this verse here. Uh, Isaiah 66, 2b. Um, you know, it's, this is really whether or not you want to be a follower of Christ or not. relates to... This is, it says, this is the one I esteem. God is saying, hey folks, here's the one I look to. Here's the one I'm going to use. Hint, 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 hint. Here's the one. One who's humble. One who's contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. If you want change in your life, if you want to be transformed, when you come to receive Christ and you get His Spirit, you know how to be transformed? Respond to His Spirit. Obey, yield to His Spirit. When you sense God telling you, go this way or go that way or do this or do that, respond sensitively and quickly. Hasten to obey and your life will change. Some of you may have been a Christian for a while and some of you may have been, become crusty when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He wants you to do something and, and you just have given up responding to Him in that area of your life or in some facet of your life. If you want change, again, it's time to be sensitive and yielded to His Holy Spirit. And, and I encourage you to... And if you have never done that before, you might try it out. You might invite Christ into your life and then just see... You know, it's kind of like we all have a conscience. We all know right and wrong. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, you get more than a conscience. You get a person who's taken up residency inside you, who's indwelt you, someone who wants to speak to you. It's not just hearing right or wrong. You hear the voice of God telling you, go this way, or, or don't go this way, or, you know, and, uh, and then He helps you. It's not only that, it's like right and wrong amplified. It's like, go this way, and, and if you trust me, I'll help you go that way. And we all need to do that if we want to continue to change and grow more like Christ. Um, commit to yielding your life to His Spirit. Commit to doing that again if you've gotten crusty with that idea, with that discipline, with that commitment. Uh, the next thing we're going to look to is commit to His Word. If you want to change, you want to be transformed, um, commit to His Word. There's a couple different verses on His Word here. You know, this one is, uh, For the Word of God is living and active, Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirits, joints and marrow. It judges the hearts, uh, the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, God's Word, if you start reading the Bible, you start looking for like, hey, somehow this God I've heard about can communicate to me through the Bible. If you start looking for Him to do that, watch out. He, he might start doing things in you. His Word is living and active. You start reading it and you're going to be like, looking around like, who... Who knows the situation that I'm in that you would have me read this verse? How did you know that? And then you read it and you'll start going like, okay, I was trying to figure out what I should do here, and now I have a verse that's crystal clear. Don't do that. Don't, you know, uh, 
do not get drunk with wine or you know go this way you know you, you'll start hearing God speak to you in his word it works on you it's living it's active uh, it'll change you if you're not careful um, another verse here um, you know this is one I think about as a church as well here. it just says that See if I've got it here. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. You know, there were people that believed in Jesus back then. There were Jews that were turning to him. But he said, Hey, look, there's believers here. He's talking to these believers. Hey, believers, if you want to be a disciple, you've got to obey my teaching. You've got to obey my word. You've got to continue in my word. And I think that's really one of the things we've got to catch as a church. There's many Christians out there. Our job is not to make Christians. There's enough nominal, lukewarm Christians out there that, you know, God doesn't want us to make anymore. But He wants us to take believers who maybe have been selfish believers, doing their own thing, and He wants them to be taught and transformed into how to follow Christ. How to throw away your life. For, for Jesus and for the gospel. And that's what God wants. He doesn't want a, a new kind of Christian that's wishy-washy, that kind of gives in to whatever trend, you know, oh, it's not popular to speak against that, I guess I won't. God's looking for the old kind of disciple, the kind that were bold about Jesus, the kind that laid down their life for one another, the kind that in the end died for their testimony about Christ. That's what God's looking for. That's what we want to make as a church. You know, um, sometimes we have, uh, you know, it says make disciples. Uh, you know, I feel like the word that we're using to, to capture that is transform. You know, it's like, how do you make, come together, let's make disciples. I'm going to build a disciple here, start from scratch. I'm going to manufacture them. You know, I really think it comes down to disciples are believers who've become transformed into followers of Christ. And that's what God wants to do with us in this church. And we hope you're up for that. Commit to live by God's word. Um, and you have the help of His Spirit and um, reading His word. I encourage you, if you haven't made the commitment already, Read your Bible daily and look to apply something. I love Faith Walkers. I still think of the quote from Dennis Walkers this last year at our Faith Walkers Christmas concert. Con- concert conference. It was not a concert. There was a lot of good music there. But, you know, he just said he's been following Christ for, I don't know, it's probably 55 years or so. Maybe 50. Maybe he'll shoot me and say it was, he's not that old. But, um, but anyways, one of the things he said, he just opens his Bible and says, Lord, show me something I could do today to show you my love. Show me something that I could do to show you my love today. Something that as I read here that I can do to show you my love. If you haven't asked God that question in your quiet time lately, start. Start today. Start tomorrow. If you haven't had a quiet time lately, get your Bible out. Get still. And, and look for God to speak to you and to change you through His Word and through His Spirit. But commit to live by God's Word. Um, Let's see, is this another good verse here as well? Um, I think these got out of order. This is a, a classic verse, you know, when it comes to God's Word changing us. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, God's Word, it transforms you. The, the, this word transformed from the Greek literally means metamorphosis. God wants to take you and I through a metamorphosis by replacing our thoughts with His, by renewing our mind and bringing it in line with God's thoughts for our lives. Uh, it says it like this in the New Living. This is a, I think it's a pretty fresh way of saying it. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll be able to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. 
You know, sometimes we can have become a new person, we can have a spirit working in us, but unless you change the way you think, you'll return to old patterns. Whatever thinking got you to, to have those habits and those patterns and those choices, if that thinking doesn't change, you'll be back there in no time. I know in my own life I, I tried to change some of these areas of alcohol or how I related to women and different things. And I try, you know, I, I remember trying not to drink for, I don't know, it was a couple weeks or something. And, you know, like at the end of that, after making it, I had to drink to celebrate, you know, right? It was like I could change for a little while, but eventually my thinking would just go back to what it was. And the same will be true of you. If you want any change in your life right now, I don't know if there's anyone in this room that is looking to change something in your life. Maybe you feel like you're in a rut. Even as a Christian, if you want change, the way to get lasting change, you've got to change your thinking. Figure it out what what it is you're believing about something, what lie you've bought into, and replace it with God's truth. And you'll be set free to to change um, and to change your life in a permanent sort of way. But it's got to change the way we think. You've got to have new thinking and replace our thinking with God's Word. There's, there's got to be somewhere along the way you go, you know what? For me, it was just kind of like I've been making my own choices. I've been following different religions in college. And I like Christianity for don't judge me. I like reincarnation for you can do whatever you want in this life and the next life we'll try again. You know, that was nice. Um, I took all these different bits and pieces. But you know what? It ended up giving me the life that I had, which was a wreck. And I was tired of that wreck. And I knew if something was going to change... There's either my way, my thoughts, or there's God's way and His thoughts revealed through His Word. And that began to change my life as well. Um, then the, the last commitment we're going to talk about is just committing to His people. So there's committing to His Son, committing and being yielded to His Spirit, committing to His Word, living by His Word. And this is, you want change in your life? You need to commit to His people. You know, there's a lot of the New Testament you cannot even live out unless you're committed to a group of people like a local church. Actually, there's many of them you cannot live out at all without a local church. You can't obey your leaders. You can't, uh, you know, honor your, your pastors or your teachers if you, you don't have them, if you're not committed, if you're not a part of that. Um, and so here's, you know, here's a verse here. Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are disciples, my disciples, if you love one another. But there's no way you can live the Christian life without being committed to a group of believers like a local church. Um, I love G.K. Chesterton. He put it like this when it comes to love. He said, it is the nature of love to bind itself to another. If you're really looking to love, you cannot love someone without binding yourself to be, to be with them, to be committed to them. Obviously, the way that plays out with a man and a woman is what? Marriage. You bind yourself to another in marriage. But the way that plays out with fellow believers is you bind yourself to a group of believers. You bind yourself to the local church. Love is a commitment. Um, and, and God's love is a commitment that never fails. This day and age, people make promises all the time and they let each other down. But that's not, that's not God's love for us. That's not what love Christ showed us. He said, here's the love I've showed you to my death till every drop of blood is out of me. That's how committed I want you to be to one another. And that will transform you. Uh, there's another verse here some of you might know. We all know John 3.16 is one of the you know, most popular verses out there. This is kind of maybe the less popular verse of John 3.16. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid His life down for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for, for our brothers. For our brothers and our sisters in Christ. You cannot lay down your life 
if you're not committed, if you're not around. It's like, I'll lay down my life if I'm available. You know, I've got a lot of things going on. I'll lay down my life. I can't do it then, though. But you know, if you're committed to a bunch of people, you'll find opportunities to lay down your life again and again and again. Just like Christ taught His disciples to do. But it's, uh, you know, it reminds me of the... Um, let me see what verses we have to wrap up with that. Um, oh yeah, here's a couple other ones here. You know, for me, when I uh, committed to to a family of believers, this, this psalm is one that really felt like spoke to me. But it's... I was doing my own thing. I lived in New Mexico and had all my friends there. When I got my first job out of college, I felt like God baited me away from my home to Colorado with a salary. I wasn't a Christian yet, but I had a salary. I took my top salary offer with Hewlett Packard. And God got me away from a lot of old old patterns, old friendships, old whatever that was keeping me down. And I got this fresh start, but my thinking didn't change and the Lord of my life didn't change. So I got back into Him again. But eventually God got my attention. I became a Christian. I started trying to follow Him. But this verse, I felt like, described what God had done for me. It says, God sets the lonely in families... He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You know, and God led me away. In some ways, it was kind of lonely being away from all my old friends and family. Uh, yet at the same time, I felt like God gave me this family of believers in the church that I was a part of up in Fort Collins that was like, I was lonely. And then I got this family that was like, it was so much more close, so much more loving, so much more committed to one another than I had ever seen in my life with my biological family. And it, it rocked my world. I was like, Jesus said, hey, look, his mom and his brothers and sisters were trying to talk to him once, and he said, these are my brothers and sisters, those that are, know God's will and are trying to do it. And, and I felt like I got to experience that. And I don't know if you have or not, but uh, God wants you to, to be a part of his family. Um, and let's see, you know, this is another verse that spoke to me. You know, it's kind of a strange looking verse. But, uh, you know, it says, uh, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And I remember in my reading, I came across this verse. I'm like, I don't understand a lot of things here, but I get a couple things out of it. I'm to relate to people in my family respectfully. Like, you should relate to a father. This is not like... Relate to them like you relate to your biological family. This is the idea of a, a godly family. Relate to your father with respect and your mom with honor. And your sisters, younger women, you relate to them, not treating them like punks or whatever, but with absolute purity. That was a new thought for me. Younger women, attractive younger women, my way of thinking was you relate to them with the way the world taught you to flirt with them and get their attention and maybe try to get some alcohol in their system and then you can have a relationship. But God was saying to me, and, and the family that I was a part of was like, this is what we're talking about, honoring those older than you, being respectful to, to women, treating them like equals with, with purity. It was kind of mind-blowing, but I, I saw it lived out in the church that I was a part of, and, and it, it, it was awesome, and I wanted to be a part of that. And, you know, I think I had some people that kind of corrected me along the way. When I showed up, I, you know, I had a rough background. I had my way of relating. I remember once that this girl got, became a Christian about the same time as I did. We were both excited about our new faith. We're still figuring out, reading the Bible and some of these other things. And um, I started spending a lot of time with this girl. And 
I started thinking, you know, hey, this, she's kind of attractive. She loves Jesus too. Maybe there's going to be a convergence of our course here. We would do things, you know, just out of our a sincere, genuine faith. We'd go and like, I remember we'd go up to Fort Collins over Horsetooth, overlook the city. We'd break bread together as the sun was rising. You know, it's like we were pretty committed to Christ. We were kind of committed to each other. But I had a friend pull me aside and he said, you know, you're spending a lot of time with that girl. And I think you're leading her heart down this road. And he just asked me, do you ever intend to marry that girl? And I was just like, marriage? What in the world are you talking about? That word was never on my radar screen ever. Um, And he's like, well, you know, if you lead her down this road and you don't follow through, you're going to break her heart. And that word resonated. I had been a part of having my heart broke, breaking other people's heart. That was a part of relationship for me. But he's like, you can't do that here. You need to honor her. You need to treat her with purity. And so I started to realize, you know what? My, my track record on relationships was terrible. And I don't want to get the same results, so I've got to change the way I go about it. And I yielded. And I was like, you know, I'm going to treat this woman with purity. And today, um, she's married to, to one of my dear friends, my first small group leader. They have several kids together. And, and I waited for God to give me His best. And He brought me this young woman back here. And she has been... I mean, I tried to tell her sometimes, I tried to explain to her, you know, if you put together all the women I dated and all the broken relationships and take all the good out of that, it's not even on the radar screen compared to the relationship God has given me with you. And um, I, I didn't even imagine. I knew All I knew from my parents was fighting and, you know, they get along and they fight and you stick together. And, um, but I didn't know you, you could have a loving relationship. Like, God had the perfect woman set aside for me. When I gave up my ways... He brought her into my world and I'm still learning day by day how perfect she is for me and how perfect I am for her. Um, But you know, how's it going for you? What sort of results are you getting? Because if you don't like the results you're getting, you might consider doing things God's way and by His Word and maybe even allowing people in your life. It was hard for me to go, you know, I can read the Bible, I can figure it out for myself. And I realized quickly, you can interpret things however you want to. You know, To me, this means I could do this. But you know, I knew where that would lead. My own thinking, my own interpretation would lead me to the same results I was always getting. And I didn't want that. And I was like, what do these guys believe? Because I want lives like them. I want marriages like they have. And I started giving up my thinking and even my own interpretation and going, you know, it says that submit to your leaders. It, you know, it talks about uh, yielding to those who teach you the word of God. And I made a choice. You know, if I have a discrepancy over what my pastor says on this or what I say, I'm going to yield to him because I want my life to become like his. I can get my own life going like it was. You know, I could do that on my own pretty easily but I wanted a different life and, and for you you know um, I don't know if you've made that choice before it's probably one of the harder choices that you make because it's voluntary it's voluntary you don't have to you don't have to put, pick a group of believers you don't have to pick a church no one's going to force you no one's going to crack the whip on you or um, there's going to be no draft into the local church it's a free choice that you have and there's a lot of lone ranger Christians out there doing their own thing just like you will not find in the New Testament. But they say, hey, I've got the Spirit, I'm free as the wind. Yeah, well, you know, it reminds me of the story, you might have heard of this before. Sometimes you know uh, how a butterfly, you know, goes from a a caterpillar to a butterfly, right? Everyone knows that. Biology, like 101, whatever. Um, But uh, recently I saw, uh, well, I don't know how recent it was, but I saw a, a thing once that 
showed the importance of community, of being committed to a local church setting. And they described it, it relates to the metamorphosis of a butterfly. I think they used a monarch butterfly, but it's like this caterpillar you get in your cocoon. But occasionally, you know, it's like when that butterfly tries to come out of the cocoon, it wiggles and works and tries to fight its way out. And there's been several stories where people say, I saw this butterfly working its way out of a cocoon and it looked like it was struggling and it got tired and so I thought I should set it free. And they took scissors and then they say, you know, next thing you know, the butterfly stretched out its wings, fell to the ground and never flew again. Some stories say the butterfly died. Others say it walked around the ground for the rest of its life. I don't know. I wasn't there. But, um, but you get the idea. is true biologically. As the butterfly is struggling to get out of the cocoon, it allows it to strengthen its wings and push fluids into places that it needs so that when it comes out, it can fly. But if you cut off that process of squeezing and struggling out of the cocoon, you lose a lot of what's needed for that glorious life that God has intended. And the same is true of Christians. And I'm afraid that there's way too many Christians out there that are like, there should be glorious monarch butterflies flying around the world and they're stuck crawling around on the ground because they didn't like the struggle and the commitment that's required with a local church, with a group of other believers that are a bunch of goobers that aren't perfect. Um, and so they, they've set themselves free from the struggle and they've been crawling around the Christian life for a while. and. I don't know if you're tempted to do that, but I encourage you, stick with the struggle, stick with the commitment. It's not, um, you know, it's not about finding the perfect church. It's about finding a church that, that you can commit to and give your all to. You know, that verse said, uh, lay down your life with a group of people, just like Christ did. It didn't say find you know, someone worthy enough or something like that. And, and that's what, and that's what we, we need to commit to God's people. And, and as, maybe you're a Christian and you're, you think about someone else. You go, boy, I wish they were hearing this message. I wish they would commit. Maybe they're sitting next to you and you're going to give them a nudge. Um, that's fine. Go for it. But, um, but, you know, I think when it comes to this commitment, as, as, uh, as Christians who are trying to make disciples, I think there's two ways to go about it. We go, you just really need to commit. We have our lingo. I love the language. Sometimes we say that that Christian would just plug into a church. If they just get plugged in, if they just uh, lock and load is a phrase we used to use back in the college world there, boy, if they just get locked and loaded, their life would be awesome. Um, but sometimes we try to, you know, there's two ways to go about it. Like in sales, I don't know if you've heard of a, a push sale and a pull sort of sale. Um, a pull is where there's like a demand for something. There's like people want this item and like selling it is just like you stick it out there, they're going to buy it. You know, anything I, whatever, iPhone, I, such and such, they kind of, it's a kind of pull marker. Right now people are just buying them, they stick them out there. Other ones, you've got to use your marketing and your, your wisdom and all your skills to force, to push a sale on someone. They might not otherwise do it and so you, if you just push and market it right, eventually some people are going to get it. But I'm afraid in the church sometimes we do way too much pushing. To, com- to get people to commit. If you would just commit, if you would just commit. And, and if we're honest about it, if any of you has ever committed to a local church, I'll bet you find it was more of a pull. You saw something there, somehow God changed your life, and you willingly wanted to be a part of that. And, and man, we need to woo men and women into the church. We can't push them in. Nobody probably pushed you in. If they did, feel free, don't, you don't have to come back next week if you don't want to. You know, um, but we need to, to woo them. We need to win their hearts. It's a voluntary thing. And, um, you know, just I don't know what your approach has been, but if it hasn't been working, I try something different here, you know, and let's try to, to woo them to the bride of Christ. So, um, 
those are the, the four things. Here's the last verse we'll just leave you with here. I think, um, you know, this is an Old Testament story, an Old Testament example, but I think Ruth really catches the heart uh, of what it means even to commit to a New Testament group of people today. And just says this, um, Ruth said, um, and she's talking to Naomi. Naomi was telling her, you go back to your people. Go do your thing because I'm going back to my people. But Ruth said, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Talk about a commitment to God's people. Ruth, Ruth caught it there. Her life caught it. If we could catch that. You know, I just imagine, um, just the closing here, just think about these four things. Committed to Christ and becoming a new person. Committing to His Spirit and letting His Spirit transform you. Make, make you into, give you a new life. There's a new person, but living a new life. Let His Word give you new thinking so you can have lasting change. And then His people. Commit to His people. And I think you will be a part of seeing the complete transformation if you stick with that. And I think that's what God wants for each one of us. And God wants to transform us. Whether you've never made any of these commitments before, maybe you've made these commitments in the past, maybe it's time to make them again or keep them. And I think, just imagine what would happen if each one of us makes these commitments and lives them out in a fresh new way with fresh love and fresh faith. Imagine what would happen in our lives. Imagine what would happen if our whole church made these commitments together. How would we, how radiant would we be in this neighborhood, in this city, in this state, in this world? That's what God wants for the Firehouse Church. We're just inviting you to join in if you're willing. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for... Um, just for all this truth. I thank you even for the journey you've taken me on, how you were so patient with me, all my selfishness and stubbornness and rebellion, and yet you continued to try to get my attention. You continued to woo my heart, and I thank you that you finally did. God, I pray that uh, everyone in here would, would yield to your love. They would say, I do to you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray each one of us would yield to your Spirit, that we would be sensitive, contrite to your Spirit and see the amazing things you do from that. Lord, I pray that even through that we would be committed to your Word and obey it freshly. We'd have a fresh love for your Word. God, please give us that. And I pray that you would help us to be um, also freshly committed to one another and see the transformation that you'd bring about in our lives. And God, we just thank you for this morning. I pray you'd help us to respond obediently to anything you put on our heart here. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you guys for coming this week, and we will catch you next week. Jeff's going to start off a new series from the Gospel of John here, so I hope we catch you next Sunday as well. Thanks a lot.